Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode and a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. Yeah. And sitting right across from me, the dirtiest cop in this dirty, dirty town. Mike Staub. And he's one sassy detective, Mr. Jordan Hugh. Yeah, so listen, greetings, folks. We're back uh, with a, a terrific episode. Yeah. We apologize for last week. We had to cover the Underdwellers mm-hmm. uh, because, again, we do follow the production order yes. of these episodes, not the broadcast order. Underdwellers would have been broadcast uh, 27th. Yes. But it was the sixth episode on the production side. Yes. POV is the seventh episode on the production side it would have been broadcast 13th and boy was there a jump in quality yeah so it's wild sometimes we record these episodes two at a time which is yes. the case today so yes. last week if you listened to us when we did underdwellers we recorded that on the same day today yeah that no, we're recording no, yeah, pov we're, we're and both. it's wild the swings are wild i felt so bad because mike led us through that episode but. yeah it felt like trudging through a sewer dude <laughs> Yeah, it really, it really um, felt like it. Yeah, so you have you have one of the series' worst episodes, if not its worst episode, The Underdwellers, and then you have one of the best episodes, POV, yeah, yeah, absolutely. which I'm excited to take us through today. So um, I have to say, POV is an episode that really stuck with me through the years because mm-hmm. I remember it for this reason more than anything, and it also speaks to how our tastes mature in life. I remembered POV because I remember this episode would occasionally come on, not often, it would come on and I would say, oh, this is an episode that doesn't have one of the villains. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because as kids especially, we really watch this show for the rogues gallery. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why everyone loves Batman. He's got the best villains. And this episode doesn't have a villain in it. Yeah, I feel like my appreciation for Batman is obviously I like Batman on his own. Um, but I also obviously love his villains. It's the same reason why I like Spider-Man. Sure. It's like they're, they have that similarity there. Like Spider-Man, it's like I love Spidey. I love him. But like his villains are also great but like there's a badness to his villains in terms like they're all kind of like it's it's weird it's like spider-man's villains are like they're a bunch of animal themed bank robbers and (laughs) and like but i love that and like batman has these villains that are serious but there's one of them's called the penguin Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's there's this, there's this. Hey, he owns that. Okay. I, of course he has to. What are you going to do? <laughs> right. Hey, I'm the penguin over here. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, no, Batman's Rogues Gallery is fantastic. It's and, fantastic. It's but up, they're not in this episode. I remember being upset as a kid when I was like, oh, this is an episode that has no villain. And now I'm rewatching and I realize not mm. only does this episode have no villain, it has no Batman. <laughs> no, it has no Batman. It's basically no Batman. It's, this move, this episode is essentially, and this is, I love this episode just like the episode almost got him right yeah mm-hmm. this is in the same vein as almost got him because this is an it's episode a format breaker yeah, yeah it's a format breaker and it's an episode where people are telling batman stories yes and eventually we do get batman and we do get the story to unfold but the way this show this episode starts is that it is three well two excellent characters telling a batman story excellent characters meaning like morally upstanding people well, no, no, no. I mean, like, I think Montoya is an excellent character, oh. and I think Harvey Bullock's an excellent. Oh, I'm sorry, character. I thought you were referring he's to, just, to Wilkes as well. Okay. Oh, Wilkes is Wilkes is fine. Yeah, but like, he's not a bad character. But like, Harvey Bullock and and Mon- and Renee Montoya are, are awesome, like yeah. are awesome, and they're like incredibly important characters from the comic books. Sure, they're like the core of the GCPD, right? right? Even though Bullock Certainly. is a lug and he's a moron and he's bad at his job, and this episode proves that he's a liar. Hey, this is Baby Lawful you're talking about, okay? Relax. <laughs> Maybe he killed Captain Clown. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So, so, 
So, you are know, we going to reference Captain Clown in every episode? Yep. Yeah, we are. Yep. All right. He's the Anya Taylor Joy of this episode, of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, who no, might, may or may not be Harley Quinn at some point. So I'm sure go. she, at this rate, everyone will have played Harley Quinn. Yes. No, as you said, this episode chooses to focus on uh, just the cops. Yep. Right? This is basically, you know, like. What was that? What was that comic series that was just the GCPD? I think it might have just been called GCPD. Yeah. So this this episode reminds me of like this was like GCPD before there was GCPD. Yeah. This was like I mean the balls on these writers. This episode is written by um, story by Mitch Bryan, teleplay by Sean Catherine Derrick and Laren Bright, and uh, the balls on these folks. They're kind of saying like, look, even though this is an early episode, we think our cop characters are strong enough to have an episode that revolves around them. And they are. They are. And they are. And this even airs early, right? We saw this airs at number thirteen. So this is airing within the first three weeks of the show going live. It's it's early. Um, yeah. And you're right. We have two excellent characters. We have Bullock, who is a, well, a character who's well-established in the comics and, of course, is one of sort of the main recurring characters on Batman the Animated Series. You also have Montoya. Montoya has played a role yeah. in previous episodes, smaller roles. This is the episode that actually establishes her. Yes. And she's a force. She's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. She's a great character. She has... Probably the most interesting POV story, and then she's the whole second half of the episode. Yes, and this just solidifies. I mean, I mean, for a, a show that came out in 1992, like such a girl power episode, right? For sure, you're getting this this strong woman character who kind of has to deal with a child in in Wilkes, <laughs> right? Um, who I don't think Wilkes is bad. I don't think he's bad at his job. I think he's just young and inexperienced, and you have to deal with Harvey Bullock, who is like a piece of human garbage. Yeah, and you have Montoya, who's not only a good cop. But she holds everything together. She's the only one who's actually telling the truth, and she's the only one who does her job well. Right. Um, yeah. This is also um, this is a complex episode. Yeah. I think one of the reasons this episode ranks highly on people's sort of best of lists, uh, including my own, is because of the unusual story structure. Yep. It's format breaking. It's uh, basically a story told from multiple perspectives. It is told in the same way as the Kurosawa film Rashomon, Rashomon. from yep. Fifty or Fifty One. Yep. Um, which is that story, of course, is about a murder, a rape murder that is um, told from, I think, four different perspectives. This episode is this heist, yeah. uh, this blown sting from three different perspectives and the uh, potential fact that one of these cops or or all of them could be dirty. Yeah. Right. Um, it's weird, though, because Bullock lies in this episode, but I don't think Bullock is necessarily a dirty cop. I just think he's an asshole. Yeah, so well, I think it ends up being that when we see Bullock's... He is an asshole. Yeah. When we see Bullock's story, I, I think Bullock was trying to get their collar, right? Because yeah. clearly he was early, yeah. and he's trying to take all the glory for himself. Yeah, of course. And we believe Montoya and Wilkes when they say that they arrived at the appointed time, even early for that time, yeah. because we see that in the episode we also know enough about their characters to yeah. be like well they're telling the truth of course right so there's that aspect as well um yeah there's a lot of other interesting things in here i think we'll kind of get to it as we go through the episode sure. but um i love how mature and how complicated this episode is yes. and i love that it doesn't condescend to children yes i love that it's able to have this mature complicated palette both in its storytelling and its subject matter and that it doesn't condescend to what a child can comprehend they kind of just say look the kids are going to hear this story three times from three different perspectives. Um, what you see is going to be different than what you hear. Yeah. And you're going to kind of put it together for yourself. Um, I love that. No, it's really great. And it's a it's, it's a, a tactic where you can tell that the writers, it's not that they're not talking down to kids. Right. Like this is, this is a, these are writers that trust the viewership. 
even if it's kids, they'll understand that like, listen, they can get this. And I, I run into this situation a lot because when you're talking about cartoons and Batman doesn't really do this, but a lot of cartoons, you know, they have to be episodic, right? They have right. to be mm-hmm. episode by episode monster of the week because, you know, producers like kids won't, won't retain their knowledge episode to episode. It's like, no, so many kids watch anime these days and anime is yeah. only us. Uh, only arcs right yeah it's it's all serialized it's, all serialized. it's not episodic yeah, it's not anime, episodic yeah. at all it's completely serialized so like i like when a production company like warner brothers in this instance uh trusts their audience and they trust sure. that the kids and they also trust that the kids are probably watching this with their parents yep and a parent can sit down with a kid and watch this and it's like oh wow this is this is a really good episode it's a really good procedural yeah and we again must mention, I think, a little bit more seriously that um, the show is still in its early run on yeah. the production side, so things are not yet consistent in terms of quality. That's why you can have an episode like The Underdwellers, which feels totally undercooked. Yeah. It has a terrible script. The animation is bad. To this episode, where the animation is gorgeous, amazing, like some of the best in the series, amazing. and the story is totally cohesive, coherent, and yeah. gorgeous. This episode was. Uh, was um, animated by Spectrum, who would go on to do Heart of Ice. They right. did On Leather Wings. So this is the company that spun out of Tokyo Movie Shinsha. So this is the um, the the company that spun out of there just to work on Batman. And that's all they worked on. So there's a reason why this episode looks as good as it does. Yeah. The last thing I'll mention before we get into the uh, sort of scene by scene of the episode is that the two writers for this episode, Sean Catherine Derrick yep. and Laren Bright, uh, at least according to IMDb Trivia, they did create the original story for the episode as well as the writing uh, writing an original script based on their story, but broadcast standards and practices didn't approve the initial script. Maybe the material was a little bit too dark, but also it was just even more complicated. Like it also included flashbacks to Montoya's childhood or okay. Bullock's childhood. But I will say they still managed to really preserve the integrity of the episode because you still get so much characterization mm-hmm. for Bullock Montoya and Wilkes in this episode absolutely. that you actually didn't need more flashbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so really, really good. Okay, let's hop sort of into the episode and then we will we might take some detours. Let's take a look. For sure. This is season one, episode seven on the production side. Episode is titled POV. Uh, we get our theme song as usual. We get a title card. I love this title oh, card. So good. Dimly so lit, good. A dimly lit puzzle with uh, missing pieces and overly large letters POV written across the puzzle Um, awesome very very cool yeah one of the all time great title cards for me Um, this episode again is directed by Kevin Altieri story by Mitch Bryan teleplay by Sean Catherine Derrick and Laren Bright great stuff Uh, All right. first scene a police car races down the road at night running along the raised highway under a blood red moon I love the lighting here it's already better than the entire Underdwellers episode just leaps and bounds (laughs) better than that and uh, you know just so much better. Yeah. Uh, we get uh, Montoya and her partner, who we do not know yet. And this, of course, will be Wilkes. Yep. Um, they seem like they're possibly late for a rendezvous meeting, even though Montoya is assuring her partner that they're actually early. Uh, and clearly, Wilkes, the, the partner, is a new fish. He's, like, covering his eyes as the car swerves. Yeah. Um, he tells her he's never been on a sting before. And uh, she tells him it ought to be a hot one. Which we know, tra- yeah, we know transitions in the show. So right into the second scene, we get this exterior establishing shot of a smoking red warehouse yep. uh, because there's a fire, uh, yep. and we get both the red from the fire and also the red from the blood moon. This is uh, just gorgeous. Yeah, very, very good. Right. Uh, Wilk says, "Hot is right. What happened?" 
And Montoya and Wilkes don't know where Bullock is, but we then hear a groan from nearby. Uh, I'm Harvey Bullock. That's exactly uh, what he says. Donuts. That's what he says. And he has a donut in his mouth. Yeah. And he does not. And they find him just recovering from unconsciousness in a nearby alley. And Montoya's angry. Why didn't you wait for us? Yeah. Um, we see the typical criminals for Gotham City, which are like these gangster-looking guys breaking a window and start to escape. Um, the still-recovering Bullock tells Montoya that there are more of them inside. So Montoya does the only thing she can. She orders Wilkes after the two thugs who are escaping, and she's going to head back inside to deal with the others, which also makes her like the most brave, badass yes. fucking person ever, because she's like, yeah, I have no idea how many people are in this building, and it's on fire, I'm but gonna I'm going to run in. Yeah, I'm going to go run into the right. burning building. Uh, Bullock struggles to get to his feet, but he sees Batman on the roof. He's suddenly furious. Batman! Batman! <laughs> And then Bullock passes out again. We still in this show have never established why Bullock hates Batman so much, hates but him. he just doesn't like him. Maybe he stole a sandwich. I think, yeah, he took his donut. Yeah, That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, um, while he was eating ice cream. Right. Hey, Eckhart, <laughs> think, think about, about the future. future. Um, all right, we get this uh, next scene. We get a harsh light from above and a shadowy figure, and we feel like we're not in that scene anymore. We feel like maybe it's Bullock recovering in the hospital, but that's not what it is. We nope. hear a voice saying, when I'm done with you clowns, you won't qualify as security guards. What? A voice is t- totally unfamiliar to us. And then we see the three cops, Bullock, Wilkes, and Montoya, are being chewed out by this character's name is Hackle, who is apparently some kind of a DA, but actually they refer to him as a lieutenant later. Uh, Mike, you suggested he might be... Maybe he's a fed? Maybe he's I don't a fed. Know. I don't know the breakdown of... I don't know the breakdown of the ranks for, like, federal stuff, sure. but, like... The fact that it seems as though Gordon is sort of taking orders from this guy to a degree leads me sure. to believe that he's not just a, he's not a police lieutenant. It's possible that he's either from Dent's office, yes, or he could be a lieutenant from Internal Affairs. Yes, that could be it as well, or he could be like. I don't know, a lieutenant attorney or whatever like that, someone who works, yeah. Sure, something like that. He's. It doesn't seem like they have a relationship no. with him. This guy's come from outside, and Gordon is even kind of often defending his officers yeah, from him. Yeah, like the commish. He's, uh, he's got to defend them. Right, and Hackle, like Wilkes, I don't think is a character we actually even see again. I think, I don't think he's so. unique to this episode. Oh, you mean like the Sewer King? <laughs> like the Sewer King, like the one-off Sewer King, and which is a shame, by the way, because actually I like Officer Wilkes. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's good. I would have liked to see him again, but this yeah. is it. This is it for Wilkes. Um. Yeah. So uh, Hackle's being a real dick to these guys. He thinks that one of these cops were on the take. Yeah. Uh, meaning that they're working with the gangsters in some way. Hackle's angry enough that he knocks a pretty good-looking candy bar out of Bullock's hand. I know. Bullock, just stop those extra calories, man. Know, man. They're just that, gonna get you. Like it looked like a perfect like what you call it bar. It did. Or like a Snickers. It did. Food on this show usually looks pretty yeah. good, especially when it's animated this way. Especially well. when it, um, it's a turkey that you get grease all over your face with. <laughs> right. So uh, Hackle again accuses the cops of being on the take. Gordon's angry. He says that's uncalled for. Montoya is especially offended. Uh, what? You can't be serious? And naturally, Bullock blames. It was Batman! Bullock blames Batman. Yeah, Batman did it! <laughs> and then he attempts to like rest at least some of the blame on Montoya and Wilkes, who he says were late. So he had to go in alone. Montoya's response, Que cara, we weren't late, which gives, we got this like sassy Latina thing going on, which uh, is awesome. Oh, I think it's great. I, I just think love that she's a fucking badass. And I, like, and, and I like that she drops the Spanish in there, man. I love that. That's amazing. I, it's great. And then we transition into the first POV. Yes. So it's Bullock first. And Bullock, we know enough about Bullock from other episodes. We should know that Bullock's is going to be the least reliable. It's all a lie. It is all a lie. Everything Bullock says in his POV, in his version of the story, is 100% him lying. Right. In each of the three POVs, in each of the three point of view narrations, um, we're going to see what 
they choose to depict Batman as. Yeah. So in Bullock's account, Batman is, of course, the enemy. He's a criminal. Right. So uh, Bullock takes us into the first flashback. He claims he saw Batman entering the warehouse and he followed him inside, though we, the viewer, don't see that. Nope. What we see is Bullock goes in ahead of anyone else getting there because, again, we, we probably think he wants this collar. Yeah. He wants all the glory for himself. We do see Batman's shadow outside the building, but not that Bullock saw it. No. Right, so we know Batman is there, but he's not in there ahead of Bullock. So Bullock lied. Yeah. Um, Bullock looks around the dark warehouse, um, and we hear this whirring noise, and we uh, see that there is a driller, and he is at a safe <laughs> with uh, several thugs. Then we get one of the prettiest shots in the episode, a close-up on the driller's smile bathed in the light of yeah. his lantern. Yeah. Uh, it's totally awesome. It's very noir. Yeah, very. And also, this driller is a real character. Yep. They have not... Um, usually characterize thugs so much in these episodes they've always just been like oh yeah scarecrow he's got like five thugs with him yeah, like yeah, yeah. and you don't really think about them too much this episode actually has specific thugs you have one guy who's wearing like an ascot you have another one who has a scar on his face um and you have this guy like these are yeah you have this guy who has a drill and uses this drill as a weapon who is a huge man yeah um with like white hair and a grizzled looking face who's voiced by ron perlman yeah Right, so like you know what's up. He's a, he's a legit character. Right, so these thugs feel more fleshed out yes. and more like real characters than your typical thug, which again speaks to kind of the maturity of this episode, mm -hmm. and also that the details of the crime are going to be important. Of course. So yes, we have the driller, and he's drilling into this uh, safe. Okay, the safe opens very fat, stuffed with cash. Uh, we have a gangster saying the boss was right. There must be a couple million in here. Which in if we're doing 1930s noir, that's so much money but right. for 90s people to understand it's like that's still so much money but <laughs> sure. like more realistic maybe we could take it as hyperbole i don't know it's it's it does look like a lot of money it's i have to say quite a bit of money right uh we get this great underscoring here the music in this episode so rules good. So good. um really ratcheting up the tension a uh, bullet closes in uh claiming a loud noise must have tipped off the thugs he says oh, it must have been batman yeah it was him but in reality yeah bullock tripped over a like what looks like a paint can or a chemical can goblin trap a goblin trap exactly uh while bagging up the money uh the thugs are alerted to his presence and the driller leads the thugs to confront bullock Bullock attempts to arrest them and runs away when he's attacked um he does actually do really well against the first few thugs yeah and none of these thugs use guns for whatever reason. Nope. These are all, these are the melee thugs. I will, I will say this, though. Um, this is the first time in the series that we do see human-on-human -human contact when it comes to fighting. Right. Now, um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later when Batman fights the thugs. But when Bullock fights the thugs, we do see him hit them. Yes. Which is um, rare on this It's show. rare. I will also say that I... I I think there is an excuse that can be made why yeah. these guys are using melee weapons. Yeah. This place seems highly flammable. Yes. And I think they know that. They know they, that. They know that a gun going off in here is bad. They will use a gun later. Yes. But not here. No. Not for this purpose. Not mm -hmm. right now. So they're mostly and, using like fire axes. Yeah. And it's not a laser gun either that they use later. No, so it's, it's bullets. They yeah. They shoot bullets. Um, so they, they seem to know that whatever they're robbing here at this warehouse is pretty volatile and will explode, right? Mm -hmm. So axes only, fellas. Um... And then an axe intended for Bullock accidentally. That's good. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's uh, so good. It hits a power box and a fire begins to spread. So even the thing they were trying to avoid ends up happening. Uh, it's a cartoon, so the electrical fire moves very fast. And blows up everything. Oh, right. And I assume the warehouse is like in the, the hideout in Quantum of Solace. The warehouse is just made of explosives. Yes. Um, music but there's builds. a reason for that. Oh, right. Yeah, no, there's not. Shut up. <laughs> right, I hate those people. <laughs> music builds, and we get this great heroic shot of the shadows on the wall 
in the firelight, which again yes. is just another great noir moment in this episode where you see a lot of the fight as the shadow of Bullock on the wall. Now, that's done on purpose to allow them to show people fighting. Yes, for sure. Because, you know, obviously, you know, we do get a couple of strikes where Bullock hits a couple of people, but um, when Batman jumps into the fight, when Bullock jumps into the fight, um, they can show way more of the combat if they just show it as shadows. And it's actually artistically an amazing choice. Yeah, you're totally right. And it actually ends up looking better than if he was just hitting a bunch yes. of guys, right? So this ends up being like sort of like the heart of like Gotham Noir here, yeah. right? Uh, the fire really is spreading, so the thugs flee, but not before they drop some boxes on Bullock, hoping to have killed him. They yeah. hope he's going to perish in the flames. Uh, Bull- Bullock looks around with like real panic. He starts to cough. Um, the terrific music continues as Bullock struggles for air, and we hear his narration in the present. In spite of the fire, I had everything under control, and then Batman showed up and bungled everything. Yeah, okay. Batman. Um, of course, we can obviously that Batman swoops in with his grappling gun and saves Bullock from the fire. Lucky I was there to save his butt. So uh, Bullock is obviously lying. Lying. Right, um, and is totally biased against Batman, so he gives a completely false account yes. of what has happened. He lies to his boss. To blame it all on Batman. Because right. I think maybe Bullock has this kind of... He's got a chip on his shoulder He's for definitely sure. got a chip on his shoulder about Batman. But maybe at the same time, maybe it's because like he used to be close to Gordon. Like they were buddies. I can see that. Batman kind of came in and kind of replaced him as his friend or as his, yeah. as his partner. I can see that. The other thing is that Bullock, I think, is supposed to represent this um, growing feeling in the GCPD that perhaps... They were not up to the challenge of defending their own city. Yes. Right? So um, they feel, I think maybe Bullock feels like maybe emasculated by yeah. Batman in some way or that he's been made to feel like an incompetent. Trying but, to tell me I can't do my job. Right. But the show kind of goes out of its way to show that Bullock is kind of a buffoon, right? Yeah. Because they don't want the viewer to have complicated feelings towards no. Batman. No. It would be different if Bullock was really good at his job, right? Yeah. Like if he was a second Montoya. Yeah, yeah. Because um, then it would almost be like, well, maybe he has a point. Maybe Batman isn't needed. I mean, but a problem. Yeah. But every episode, we kind of see like, no, Batman I, is definitely. I needed. think if all the cops were like Montoya on the show, then um, then you could really have those thoughts. But most of the sure. cops are bad at their job. Right. And actually, the comics usually do a really good job of just being like, listen, the cops are just as corrupt as yeah. the criminals, which yeah. is why you need Batman. Yeah. So it, it is a little ambiguous in the show, and uh, you know, we can feel for Bullock particularly because I think he has to represent all of the negative feelings yes. towards Batman, right? Uh, we return to the present in Gordon's office, or at least I'm pretty sure it's Gordon's office. Were you trying to beat them out of the collar or beat them to the cash, asks Hackle. Ease up, Lieutenant, says Gordon. No, you back off, Commissioner. Ooh. Yeah, damn, son. Hackle wants to know the real reason that Bullock didn't wait for the rest of the team. And Wilkes claims they weren't late, and so Hackle turns his attention to the rookie. And Wilkes uh, brings us into the second point of view flashback mm-hmm. um he claims they weren't late and uh when they arrived bullock was already down and two of the suspects were fleeing and all that is corroborated with what we saw yes. as viewers in the beginning of this episode um wilkes pursues the thugs into the alley and they vanish and then a truck containing a getaway car opens up and it starts to run down wilkes so wilkes is about to be run over by this getaway car with one of the thugs inside mm-hmm. uh batman shows up and he gets in the path of the car, and Wilkes claims, and I love this, because Wilkes uh, describes everything Batman does as if he's describing, like, a mythological figure, yeah, like a like, god. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a superhero, like, right? Yeah, exactly. So Wilkes claims that sparks flew from Batman's fingertips, but actually we can see, since the viewer has perfect sight, these are the spikes, like from a yeah. spike strip, road, right? Road spikes, yeah. Right, road spikes. These are, like, tire flatteners, caltrops, right? Yeah, caltrops. Uh, the getaway car careens out of control. It flips over. 
And then Wilkes describes Batman as pointing his fingers and some kind of ray shot out at the van. But in reality, it was Batman's grappling gun, which he can electrify, which yeah. we didn't know until that. Well, I'm, I'm, of course. I guess he can electrify anything. Anything. Um, he pulls the hood off the car. One of the thugs makes a break for it. Um, and Wilkes mentions the other thug is weirdly missing. So wherever yeah. the second guy went, we don't know. Don't know. Uh, he says the other one must have escaped to the loading dock. Batman throws a batarang at the remaining suspect and descends on him. And once again, Wilkes just sort of innocently says, Batman just pointed at him and wham, he dropped. But of course, he had sent a batarang yes. after that foe. I guess he couldn't see the batarang because it was dark. Uh, right, yes. You know, and it's like Batman, you know, Wilkes is like a big kid. Like you right. can tell he's young and he's a rookie because he's kind of mesmerized by Batman. Right, so we assume this guy's like right out of the academy. Yeah. He's not hardened at all. He doesn't really know anything about Batman to no. even know like what his tricks are like. Exactly. Um, but it's it's a really cool telling because yeah. it is so different than the veteran Montoya or the very veteran Bullock yes. telling the same story. It also establishes for us something a little confusing, which is like, dude, how many places at once can Batman be? But I guess... This episode, if nothing else, serves to really prop up the legend of the Bat. Yeah. Because the truth is that Batman is in all of those places at once. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it's probably because he has, like, he, he's built shortcuts around the city that he himself can take. And I think that's part of it. I think they totally just underestimate what Batman is capable of, right? Mm-hmm. So, as a viewer, you're, like, maybe a little perplexed or a little skeptical, like, oh, could Batman really have been in all these places? But he was. Yeah, he was. Um, we come back to Gordon's office. Hackle demands to know what Batman said to the suspect, the one that he took down with the batarang that he had descended upon. Yeah. And Wilkes could barely hear it, but the suspect responded with the word Doc. Yeah. Uh, but Wilkes didn't catch the rest. Doc who demands Hackle. Uh, Gordon claims that they have that same suspect locked up in interrogation, but it doesn't look like he's going to crack. Montoya interrupts to defend her rookie partner, and Hackle turns on her. But my officers are not liars, says Gordon. Oh, and then we yeah. we hop into Montoya's POV flashback. Time. So as you said, Mike, Montoya we take to be the most honest character. Yeah, she seems like her... her I would say her flashback is the most legitimate. Right, so unlike Bullock, who's going to lie to demonize Batman, yeah. or Wilkes, who is so childlike and inexperienced that he's going to elevate Batman to like this mythological status, we assume that Montoya's is basically a total straight arrow point of view of exactly what yes. happened, right? Yes. So according to Montoya, she enters the warehouse looking for the suspects that Bullock said were inside. The fire's still going, but notably there is less fire than in the yes. Bullock version of the story. It could just be that the fire had calmed down a little bit. Probably. Uh, Montoya claims she hears the name Hathcock, which we also hear yes. the thug say as she spots the driller with another thug. Uh, they have the cash bags from the safe, and Montoya tells them to freeze, but of course we know that's they're not going to freeze. No, of course not. Why would, why would they ever freeze? They're not going to freeze. Um, so the fire uh, hits the explosive cans, because remember this place is very, very flammable, and the driller nails Montoya with the cash bag. Yeah. Uh, the driller, right who, by the way, looks exactly like Ron Perlman yes. in this part of the yes. flashback. You're just like, oh, they straight up just drew yep. Ron Perlman. Yep. Um, advances on Montoya, uh, but his weapon, his drill, is taken away by Batman. And I'm, you know, Montoya even says, I guess Batman must have gotten a second wind after Detective Bullock dragged him out, since Bullock claimed that he's the one that saved Batman. Um, the only one doing any dragging here is Montoya. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, Bullock. Um, Batman takes on the driller and the remaining thug, um, who the I think the episode uh, credits him as, they call him Scarface because he has a scar on his face, yes. that thug. Um, the super noir music builds as the whole place comes down. Montoya claims Batman pushed her out of the way and was then buried alive. Yeah. So at least in her mind, Batman died Got saving it. her, maybe. 
Uh, and what we see confirms her story to be true. There are yeah. no flourishes as there were in Wilkes' innocent but well-meaning story or in Bullock's uh, totally fabricated account. Yeah, like it seems like she's the best cop of the bunch except for maybe Gordon. Right. right. Uh, and yeah, and that's that's ultimately why this episode is the establishing one for Montoya, both for what we're about to discuss, the whole Montoya end to this episode, mm -hmm. but also just like, wow, we, we wish every cop was her, as yeah. upstanding and as dedicated yeah. and as honest no, as, right. as she is. Um, back in Gordon's office for a final time, Hackle's still pissed off that the stories don't line up. What we've got here is three cops with two stories. Yep. Montoya maintains that she and Wilkes were not late. And the lieutenant suspends all three officers until the investigation is concluded and takes their badges and weapons. Ooh. And I love that each one has a different attitude yep. as they turn in the badges. Wilkes is just like sad, like a little kid that got Ooh. like his slingshot taken away. Bullock is angry. He slams down his gun and it badge. It was Batman! And Montoya, yeah, it was Batman. And Montoya has kind of like this resigned sort of nobility. Yeah, she's like, I don't want to do this, but I have to. Right, and there is this kind of steadfastness about her, even as she's defeated. Yep. All right. Uh, we get the close-up on the Gotham police badge, which then takes us to black. Uh, then the next scene, Montoya is riding home on the train, trying to figure out the meaning behind Doc and Hathcock. She's got a crude drawing of maybe a supposed supervillain, <laughs> Dr. Doc? Hathcock. Dr. Hathcock. <laughs> um, she looks out the windows of the elevated train, and she realizes that maybe the thugs meant Gotham Harbor at the docks. Yes. Makes sense. Maybe. She thinks about telling someone, but then she thinks better of it. She's suspended. What could she do anyway? And like Batman, she will take justice into her own hands if it means that she can put things to rights, yes. which is ultimately why we like Montoya yes. so much. Yes. Um, we get an establishing shot of Gotham Harbor. Montoya walking along the docks. I guess she decided to go it alone. And she has her big eureka moment when she sees the Hathcock Shipping Warehouse. Mm -hmm. So she sees the Hathcock Shipping Warehouse, and surely this is the, the hideout of the criminals from the heist. Yes. Uh, now it all comes together, she says. She runs up to the warehouse to peer inside, and through a broken window... She can see Batman. Batman. And he is in trouble. He's been hoisted up above, and he's bound. He's, he's hung from some kind of hook from the ceiling. Uh, we will find out later that Batman actually wants to be there. Yep. And he's in total control of the situation. Yep. Montoya course, doesn't know that. Because he's Batman. She sees Batman's in trouble, and I have to save him, yes. which is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. We've not really seen another character do that for Batman on the series no. yet. Like, oh, Batman's in trouble? Let me go do this. Yes. Uh, Montoya picks the lock. She doesn't have a laser. <laughs> she just does it. She heads inside, and of course, it's the driller again. The driller. The driller and the thugs are trying to figure out what the boss, this is the first time we hear what the boss, yeah, the boss. is going to do with Batman. Uh, one of them is playing with Batman's utility belt. That's Scarface, right? And he gets sprayed with some kind of pink spray. Yeah, why, dude, why, don't fucking no, play why, with the why, utility why, belt, why man. Are you doing that, Come man? on. Come on, dude. Uh, Batman asks, Where is your boss? Is he going to keep me hanging around all day? So good. Um, it's one of Batman's like five lines in the episode. It's what's funny about that too is that <laughs> Batman, like very few Batman Batman actors could drop that line. Like Kevin Conroy right. is like the only one who could drop that. I can't see Affleck doing it. No, I definitely I don't know. Oh, no. And I like Affleck. Yeah, but, but Conroy, it's not his line. Con Bat Batman's been funny in these past few episodes. Yeah, yeah, he's got some jokes. He's really funny. Yeah, he says later, Gator. Um, the driller points out where in the warehouse that the bosses hang out, and so Batman immediately frees himself. Yes. Because obviously he is fine. Just in time. Uh, master escape artist. Um, these are really all-time dumb thugs. However, I appreciate that they're characterized. Yes, me too. And the driller's really cool. Yes. The driller is... Inarguably better than the Sewer King. Uh, definitely better. Right, than the in sewer the ranking, King. right? 
Uh, Batman knocks down the driller into the water, and Montoya tosses the other one. So Batman is surprised and grateful that suddenly just help has arrived. Yeah. Um, he snaps his bonds, and the shadowy boss, who we do not know who this is. We never figure it out, right? He orders the remaining thugs after Bullock and Montoya. We got a brief glimpse of him. He's like a tall, thin guy with, I think, a mustache and a monocle. Monocle, yeah. He doesn't look like anyone. No. Uh, I mean, I guess it could be Falcone, but who knows? Right. Though I guess Falcone is a huge villain, though. Yeah. Right? I they know. would have had to give him a little bit of a something. Yeah. They're kind of just trying to be like, it's not important who this guy is, no. right? And you know what? This episode's off format, so yeah. that's fine. Yeah. They're, they can't make it about a new villain. Yeah. Right? Well, because, again, actually, to, to step off the, uh, you know, on a tangent here, pretty much every episode we've had so far, yeah. with few exceptions. Yeah. Christmas with the Joker is an exception, for example, has been the same thing. Yeah. There's an opening scene where we establish there's a new villain in town, and this is what they do. Yeah. And then Batman has some fight and investigation scenes. Mm -hmm. Then usually the villain has another scene. Yep. There's another fight investigation scene, and then there's the wrap-up. Yes. Where Batman confronts the villain, uh, usually for the first or second time, yeah. and then there's the wrap-up. This episode doesn't have that at all. Nope. Right, it's it's totally off the format. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna get more famously off format episodes later, including the show's best episodes. Yeah, or some of them. And I I think you're totally right with what you said earlier. POV, which is good all by itself, is like a nice precursor to like an almost got him, which yep. might be a number one or two for yeah. the series. Yeah. Um. So really, really good stuff. Um. So the boss orders the remaining thugs after uh after Montoya. Uh, and Batman. Uh, yeah, makes predictably short work of these guys. He uses a table. Um, Montoya proves herself to be a totally capable fighter. And I said, make her Robin. Yeah, she could have been a Robin. She or, should be Or Robin. a Batgirl. Fuck Dick Grayson. Yeah, yeah I know. This, this, this is the anti-Dick Grayson podcast. Uh, correct. Too, by Jordan we Hill. do not like uh, Dick Grayson. We get finally a gun in the episode. There's a gun-toting thug. I think it's the one wearing the ascot. Yep. Um, and... Batman realizes they need some distance. He uses the grappling gun. He helps Montoya up to a crane while he figures out his next move. He then descends on the gun-toning thug while the driller and the other thugs make a recovery. Yeah. Um, so these guys have stamina. They may yeah. be dumb, but these these are HP thugs. Oh yeah, these are these these they're yeah they're sponges, man. They're right. They're they're bullet sponges. Driller is a classic like mid level boss. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a mini boss. He's a mini boss. He I really like, is. Doesn't he get hit by like multiple people though as he's trying to get out of the water? <laughs> he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Batman's about to show down with these guys, and he actually looks like he's about to have like maybe a bad time with them, and then the fucking crane comes yeah. in out of nowhere yeah. and just uh, it smashes the dock. Yes. And a bunch of them collapse right through it. Yeah. And I'm just like, Montoya, man. Better Robin than Robin. This, Yeah, she's better than Robin. She really does work. Um, in real life, the way that this uh, shipping container gets dropped on the docks and these guys fall into the water, they should be dead. But they're not because it's a cartoon. We hear that they are not dead. Um, there's a dramatic music build as the boss flees. And there's a large ship in the harbor that snaps its ropes as the boss escapes and it begins to move. It's like a shipping freighter. Yep. Um, the foghorn like blares um, and the relentless driller is attacking Batman with a forklift, forklift now baby. the forklift sequence which is a great sequence, great sequence. best use it. of a forklift in Batman probably I think it's the best forklift used in any Batman movie or TV show folks you heard it here first this is best use of a forklift in Batman the animated series I think we should just take a moment to yeah. acknowledge the driller and the forklift the forklift it's 
Well, right. it's not his forklift for long, because you no. know what? Batman takes that forklift. Yeah, Batman takes the forklift, you know, proving that he is clearly a chaotic good character, <laughs> right. because Batman is not forklift certified. I would imagine not. He drives the forklift into the freighter. Yeah, man, he jumps out of the <laughs> forklift and lets the forklift fall off the off the dock into the freighter, creating a giant hole, yes. which I guess is built to sink the ship. I don't know. The freighter does not do well with this forklift. No, no. It's it puts like a, a one-hit kill. a hole in the hull. And then the freighter crashes into the docks. The boss escapes he drops onto the docks um dropping the money bag um and then montoya traps him with the grabber from the crane yeah man. she actually like closes it on yeah, him she's uh that was awesome i bet she's amazing at the claw game she's great at that UFO, at the arcade the she UFO can get machine. you yes as many of those little stuffed animals as she, as she, she wants she's got a teddy bear and a barbie and a tony and a tony the tiger that's right and then we we get uh, our sort of last scene here we get the police helicopter hovering uh suspects are being not a blimp as, not well, thank God. Not, not a blimp. We've established from nothing to fear that the blimps are a bad blimps idea. Blimps are a bad idea. Very bad. Very explosive. Yes. Yeah, the police are here. We've got Gordon. We've got Wilkes. We've got Bullock. They're congratulating Montoya on the collar as all the thugs are being piled into the van. Uh, she put the whole gang away. Hackle is there. He's livid. Collar? What collar? She's suspended. And Gordon is fucking hat. Oh, he's like, I'm done. Grabs his collar. This has gone far enough, Hackle. This investigation is closed. Um, Gordon gives Montoya all three badges. Yes. And she's the one that awards the badges back to each of them. And Bullock is, you know, at first a little, I don't, I don't know, grouchy about it. But then actually he authentically thanks her. And they kind of all share in the victory of having yes. brought these people to justice. Yes. And dude, this is the coolest thing. The final shot of this episode, I think the classic would have been to pull back on this scene and you watch that Batman is watching the scene or something like that. It's not what happens. Nope. She gives them the badges and the final scene is of the cops yep. standing there. Uh, as these guys are arrested. And that's the last shot because this episode wasn't about Batman. Nope. It was about the police. It was about the police and it was about GCPD and the relationship to a degree with Batman. But all in all, this was just a, it was a mob sting. This whole episode yeah. was a mob sting. I, I loved kind of, it. Kind of asserting that the cops in Gotham are somewhat capable. Sure. And we have now hope for the GCPD because yes. we know that it's not just Gordon who's a good, honest cop. Yeah. We have Montoya. Yeah. And she's a character we'll come back to revisit uh, quite a bit. Definitely. Uh, any closing thoughts on POV? I think it's a great episode. I love the format break. Uh, I love episodes that do this. I think it's very interesting to see all three characters take on what they saw and what they experienced. And it's a really great way to establish Montoya as a, as a, as a at least a secondary character on the show. For sure. Um, I agree. I think it just speaks to the strength of the series yeah. that you don't have to rely on a supervillain or mm -hmm. even rely on Batman. Yeah. Batman here is just yeah. in the episode because right. there it's a, it's something that involves him. Right. In other words, your world is strong enough that you don't even need the title character on the show that you can just kind of tell a story without him. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like it 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 it's freeing. Ultimately. It's freeing, it's charming. Um, I love a format break. Even early, a format break is nice. Um, and for me, this is this is actually one of the series' uh, strongest episodes. Where does this rank for you? Did this crack your top 20? You know, I don't know if it cranks it cracks the top 20, but it's close. It's so close. This is my first episode that I'm actually putting officially in the top 20. All right. Uh, I'm putting it in. I, I, have, I obviously have a rough list established yeah, in my mind. I'm putting this in at number 20. Yeah, that, it may, that works. It may rise by the time we're doing like a season or a series retrospective. Yeah. Um, but at, right now, this is the first one where I'm willing to say this is one of the best episodes they made, and I think it's in the top 20, and I'm putting it in at number 20. I like it. I like that, too, because I like how it gives you a better perspective of how kind of 
people who aren't Batman view Batman. Sure. It's, see, it's like a world building episode. Yeah, it's a world building episode. It's about the city and the cops relationship with Batman. Whereas every episode we've watched so far is told from Batman's point of view. Sure. For the most part. Yeah, I agree. And, and also, a little bit of the Jokers, but yeah. <laughs> sure. I also just appreciate the themes in this episode, mm-hmm. right? That like the individual cops can make a difference mm-hmm. and that Batman inspires the cops to be better police. Yes. Well, the good cops. Uh, sure. But actually, even by the end of this yeah. episode, Bullock has a little bit of an arc. Yeah. Like, look, we've seen all the episodes, so we know that Bullock won't change that much. No. At least not yet. But like... He's left with a complicated thought at the end of this episode. Like, I have to confront the fact that I lied about Batman, yep. that he saved us, yep. and that also he helped us to uh, not only arrest this gang, but to, like, kind of live through this day with honor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There, That is... This episode is very much about the question of honor. Yes. Right? For On, sure. Uh, the, the truth of your word, the mm-hmm. honor of your word, what mm-hmm. it means to be a police officer, what that badge really means. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, that badge is their bat symbol yep you know and this episode really makes that mean something so often in these shows it's just like oh yeah the cops they're like the background guys they're there to get knocked around not in this episode no no the cops are the heroes in this episode and um you know to to your point about their the badge being their bat symbol their the return of the badge to the gcpd officers in this episode is a is a massive moment at the end it's so good it's like all right you're getting you're getting that back because of what you were able to do it's so good um this episode also just really honors the noir aesthetic it's a full noir episode there is almost no next-gen technology except for batman's gadgets in this episode um it's really just like a i don't want to say return to formula because we're so early in the series but like it is a very much part of the aesthetic episode. Yes. Like, I feel like when they sat down for the original planning meetings, they're like, we want something 30s and noirish yes. and kind of serious. Yes. And POV is such a core episode uh, for that. It nails it. Hits, it hits every checkbox. Yeah. Uh, just a couple little extras here. I think um, our main cops, uh, Bullock, which is the voice actor's Robert Constanzo, mm-hmm. uh, Ingrid Olio, who plays Montoya, mm-hmm. and then we have uh, Robbie Benson yeah. plays Wilkes. They all do a great job. Robbie great, Benson. Great do you work. know who Robbie Benson is? I should because off the top of my head, I know that name very well. Robbie Benson. I think this is a cre- crazy fun fact. Robbie Benson is better known as the voice of the beast yes. in Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And then weirdly... Ron Perlman is in this episode, who also was the Beast, Beast on television. Yeah, and that Beauty and the Beast TV show where, like, right. it was in New York. That's right. Yeah, yeah or he was, like, living underground or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I never watched that show, but, like, I think my mother and her whole generation of people, they were obsessed with that show. Sadly, there was no... Kelsey Grammer wasn't in this episode, nor <laughs> right. the actor who played Hank McCoy on the X-Men cartoon. Right, no, no, no Nicholas, Nicholas Holt. Yeah, yeah, Right, yeah. every Beast. All the Beasts. All Beasts all the time. Um, and then the last thing I want to say was just Ron Perlman is in this episode as the Driller. Of course, we will see much more of Ron Perlman very soon because Ron Perlman is Clayface. Exactly. So we will see much more of the Pearl Man. Yeah. Uh, coming Ron, up soon. I love, I love so. when Ron Perlman's in anything. Right. Hellboy himself will uh, come up on us uh, again very, very soon. That is true. All right. I think we're going to start to wrap this up. So this is goodbye for now. Next time we're going to be covering The Forgotten. Mike's going to be leading us through that episode. Mike, what are your feelings on The Forgotten? Forgotten. <laughs> You forgot. I forgot. Excellent. All right. Well, that's it. I'm going to say thank you for joining us. This was the Batman Tasticast for Mike Staub. I'm Jordan Hugh. Thank you and see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. And there you have it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Batman Tasticast. Thank you for listening and thank you for your continued support. If you want to support the show even further, you can go to social media and you can find us at Batman Tasticast on all your different social media platforms. 
or you can go to the podcatcher of your choosing and you can give us a like and a subscribe and a review. Anything helps the conversation move forward. Also, leave a comment and email us and reach out to us because we love reading the little tidbits that you send us in messages on the internet. So once again, for Jordan Hugh, I'm Mike Staub. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.